0: Amen. Hey, guys. Did anybody else hear that ring in the uh, worship? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's good. Man, I'm um, honored to be up here with you guys today. I, uh, I feel like I have a word um, from the Lord for you. Maybe it's for the person sitting to your right or to your left. So you might want to just look at that person and... And just let them know that God's got a word for them. Maybe give them a little, just a little nudge with your elbow. Just let them know that God's about to speak to them. It's an honor for me to be up here today. I, um, (laughs) I feel like God's got a word, but a couple of days ago, I was, I was talking to this guy and he goes, Yeah, the first time I came to Church on the Rock, you went up on stage and began to give announcements. And I said to myself, if this is a pastor, I don't think I want to come to church here. And I said, bro, I'm right here. You just said that to me. And he goes, well, I, no, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying. I'm like, you can't say no offense and then say something that's offensive. So I always start my message by saying, hey, I am not the pastor of Church on the Rock. I'm a substitute pastor which means you can leave class early. I don't even know if you're supposed to leave early or not. It, it means that, like, I'm going to be here today, and then I'm going to some other, you know, school to teach tomorrow, right? It means we get to kind of take it easy because Pastor Josh is not here, right? So I was thinking, um, what are we going to do, you know, just have some fun in here? And I didn't come up with anything, so I'm just going to preach. Is that okay? Is that Okay. I want to just let you know, we have an amazing pastor. That same guy that was telling me how much he didn't like me, um, (laughs) he asked a question that I thought was interesting. He said, hey, what is it like being around Pastor Josh, like, you know, outside of ministry? And I said, man, I I hate to tell you this, because he's my brother-in-law, and I I hate to even share this with you, um, because I probably shouldn't say this, about our pastor of the church but but he's exactly the same he's not faking it and he he said oh that's good and I'm like yeah it is good it is good even though you don't like me I'm glad you like our pastor I then forgave him um, externally and I'm working on it internally I want to remind you that uh, God, our God is a God of restoration. His heartbeat is restoration. The the, the entire New Testament is really built on restoration, on him restoring, on him moving in our lives and recovering things that were lost, even from the Garden. That our God is a God of better days, come on, yeah. that he's a God who wants to work in your life today, that he's a God that's working in your future already, yeah. that no matter your past, that no matter your mistakes, no matter the, the, the situations that you've gone through, your, your tomorrow can look very different than your yesterday, Amen. I love this verse in Psalms 27, 13. It says, I am convinced. I am sure of it. I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me just define that for you. You can see God's goodness right now today in your life. On this side of eternity, in your life, in your family, God has something good for you. That's something to declare. That's something to believe in. God is not through with you. God is not through with you. And I, I want to title my message today, God is not through with you. But I didn't title it that because I was worried because some of you guys had some parents, maybe when you got in trouble, they beat you. So in your head, I say God's not through with you, and you think God's not through beating me. God's not through yelling at me. God's not through being disappointed in me. I don't know what you're filling that in with, so I couldn't say God's not through with you. Because sometimes our minds just run to the negative, right? So the title of my message today is God is not through blessing you. God is not through blessing you. Your past is not a prediction of your future. Your best days are still ahead of you. Greater things are yet to come. Yeah? The the, the theme verse for for our our talk today is going to come out of 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. I'm going to put it on the screen behind us. 1 Samuel 36 through 8. We're going to jump right into a story, and then I'm going to back up and kind of tell you what's happening. In the story. Now, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. And that doesn't mean get high with David. That means kill David. Nowadays you gotta clarify. Now, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because of the soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Because they had been captured, kidnapped. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then David said to Abithar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abithar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he The Lord answered, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. God is not through with you. God is not through blessing you. Let's just pray. Father God, speak to us today. Lord, speak to our hearts today. I know you have a word from heaven today, so don't let me mess it up. Lord, may, may your spirit speak to us. Right where we need to hear, right from heaven, Lord, the word we need to hear from heaven. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. "Amen, amen." I uh, I love this this the story of David. We're going to jump right into a story that's that's happening. That David finds himself in. Uh, he has been anointed by God. He has been anointed the king to come. But the problem is. There's already a king, and it's not his dad. It's a guy named Saul. And Saul is the king. David is the next king to come. He's been anointed by Samuel. But when Saul finds out that David is the next king, Saul goes game of throne on him and decides, I'm going to kill David. But David is still serving his country He's still serving his country in battle, even though the king of the country is trying to kill him. So he's got about 600 men, and they are going off to, to fight for his country. And at the same time, he's hiding from the king of his country, who wants to kill him in the country that he's serving in. So they just win a battle, and they come back into the town. That they're, that they're living in at the time. It's called Ziglag. And they come back into this town, and when they get there, they find that the town has been burned to the ground, that their wives and their children have been kidnapped and taken. And David is now—already David was under an immense amount of pressure. He's got a king trying to kill him. He's already been anointed and promised something from God, but at the same time, he's fighting the, 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 the fact that like he doesn't know when his anointing is going to turn into his appointing, right? And, and he's wondering how he's going to survive just the fact that the king wants to kill him, but now all 600 of his men have seen their families gone and their wives gone, and they, he, they've decided we should kill David. What do you do when you're stuck in a horrible situation, a tough situation? Like, how do you not settle for the things that just seem to be what they are? How do I never settle for where I am? Like, it just seems like life is constantly hitting the fan sometimes, isn't it? Like, life is constantly just all over the place. Like we're constantly struggling. Like we're constantly in a battle. Like we're constantly fighting something or someone or something. Something's always failing somewhere, somehow. Yeah? I'm the only one? Okay, that's okay. I'm going to talk to you guys about me then. And we pick up this story where David's going through a lot. And if you just read the text, if you were doing the Bible on a airplane, you would just fly through it. And you wouldn't see the tension in the text. You wouldn't feel the emotion from David in the scripture, so we gotta kind of slow down sometimes when we read. So we're just gonna kind of hit these verses today. We're gonna kind of dig through, and we're gonna see what God has for us in these verses, and then we're all gonna go um, go on our way and be a little more blessed. Hopefully, amen. Most people never walk in their anno- in their appointing. Because they don't steward their anointing very well. See, God is having David learn how to live big in a small place. Learn how to dream big in a small place. Learn how to to be a leader in a small place so that he can put him where he wants to put him. And when he gets there, he'll know how to lead because he's already led in the small places. And too often we want god to exalt us on the outside before he can finish the work on the inside a lot of us we keep trying to exalt ourselves and god is saying hey instead of exalting yourself let me exalt you in the time that i need to exalt you in and until then you just need to get your heart right you just need to prepare the inside most people actually never walk in their appointing because they don't steward their anointing. And David is in the season where he's, he knows he's anointed. He knows God, God's got an appointed plan for his life, but he doesn't see how he's going to get there. He, he's in the middle. And oftentimes in the middle of being called by God and walking out what God's called you to, there is an attack of the enemy. And let me tell you the reason there's an attack. There's there's an attack of the enemy because the enemy sees your future better than you sometimes. He sees what God has for you sometimes better than you do. Sometimes the enemy doesn't attack you for who you are. Sometimes he attacks you for who you're becoming. Yeah? I, I wrote it down like this. God forbid the devil have more faith in you than You have faith in you. So David and the 600 men, they they just won this victory, and they come home, and they find everything's gone. Their their homes are burnt to the ground. Their families are gone, and and they don't know what to do. But David does something amazing. He does something amazing in in this verse, and I want to just walk it out with you real quick. He he does something that, that you and I should learn to do too. And if we can do what David did, maybe we'll get what David got. WWDD. <laughs> if you want to buy the bracelet, it'll be in the, uh, in the foyer after church. Can we go uh, back to 1 Samuel 30, verse 6? It'll be on the screen. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, and every man for his sons and daughters. And rightfully so. But look what David did look what David did and we're going to just go we're going to hit three things that David did Uh, one is he held on to God's presence he held on to the presence of God the verse says but David the reason it has to say but David is because nobody else did what David did but David strengthened himself in the Lord David said, I, I see what's happening in the natural, but I need a word from God right now. Yeah? Like, I, 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 I see what's happened, but I'm not moving until I hear from the Lord. David strengthened himself, encouraged himself in the Lord. David received a terrible report, and he decided to do the one thing that he knew he could do that might make things work out. Look at the verse. David held On to the Lord. We got to get in God's presence sometimes. We got to find ourselves on our knees before God. Even though we want to go and fight, even though we want to go to battle, first we go to the Lord. Before I see the answer, I want to see the Lord. Before I seek the solution, I'm going to seek the spirit. We want things to work out on the outside and then we'll work on the inside too often, don't we? And David said, "I'm going to work things out in my heart. I'm going to work things out in here, and no matter what happens after I step out of God's presence, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Like no matter what happens after I leave the presence of God, I'm going to be okay because I got my heart right with my father. Yeah? Sometimes, actually, though, God can't do what he wants to do on the outside of your life because you haven't finished the work on the inside that he needs to do first. Yeah? Because if you're, if you're wanting to go in the ministry, you should learn this because if God does the work on the outside... Before he finishes the work on the inside, you're going to go into that situation sick. You're going to have some things in your heart that shouldn't be there. You're going to have some fear in your heart that shouldn't be there. You're going to have some anxiety in your heart. You're going to have some, some, some anger in your heart that shouldn't be there. And if God puts you where he needs to put you too early before he can do the work on the inside, you'll actually contaminate the whole thing. You'll get everybody sick with your negativity. You'll get everybody sick with your doubt. Okay. God is speaking to David first, and then David's going to go, and he's going to act on what God is saying. I do believe that God is restoring your life, but I do think it starts on the inside before it starts on the outside. I think your heart can be broken, your head can be clouded, but let me choose to recover on the inside first. Let me press into God. Let me hold on to his presence until I get an answer from him. And then let me go out and talk to my men. And then let me go out and talk to my people. This is how we fight our battles. Yeah? This is how I fight my battles. I really want to be alone. I really want to go figure things out on my own. I really want to go just straight Kevin McAllister on these Amalekites. That means just, just defend your home. It's a Christmas reference, home alone, no? I'm pretty sure in November, we're allowed to start making Christmas references, right? Yeah. Who's got their lights up already? Where are my Christmas people at, yeah? <laughs> Everybody else just judged those that raised their hands so hard. I have made a commitment to my daughter and a list, actually. We started a list online because she wants to start watching Christmas movies in October. And I get it because I love Christmas, too. But we decided we will not watch Christmas movies until after Thanksgiving. But we can start talking about Christmas movies in November. All right? So we just started this list. On, we have a shared note file that we just have a list of movies. And Home Alone is one of the top ones. Amen? Yeah. One of the best. We don't, don't that we can't talk about christmas movies all year you know but let's start in november okay david wants to go straight up hard on these amalekites and he can and he's got 600 top of the line soldiers to do it too but before he does he gets in front of the lord david's saying i want to take my revenge i want to go and get restored by myself, but I'm going to get restored in his presence first. Because I know that I'll be okay with the timing on the outside if I'm right on the inside. David strengthened himself in the Lord, God's presence. Second thing he did, he got around the right people. He held on to God's people. Let's look at verse 7. Then, then David said to Abathar the priest, Amalekite, the Amalekite son, the Himelech's son, excuse me, please bring the ephod here to me and Abathar brought the ephod to David. David is talking to the right people. He's getting around the people that he needs to be around. He's choosing to be around certain people at this time. And sometimes, we choose the wrong people to get around and we begin to hear the wrong things. We, we get around people like Job did and they begin to blame Job for his issues. If David would have got around his men, they would have blamed him for what another country did to his people. The same men who are praising David as the next king are the men who are now trying to kill David. It's your fault now, David. Which, which makes a great side note. Never make big decisions when you're grieving. Yeah. Never make life decisions when you're full of fear. Never do that. Also, never, never get around those fake friends when you need a real friend. Another side note, be leery of people who show up only when you're winning. But when you're hurting, but when you're going through something, they're nowhere to be found. I heard it like this no new friends. No new friends. No, 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 no new. No new friends. David's saying, I'm going to get around the right people so I can hear the right words. That's important. I'm going to get around God's people so I can hear maybe what God has to say through them if he doesn't speak it through me. Yeah. And let me just define that, too, because I've been in church long enough to know there's a difference between church people and God's people. <laughs> Come on now. There's a difference between church people and God's people. OK, church people will gossip that the moment you tell them something, they'd already told 20 other people. I mean, church people will get around you and they'll pity party with you. I don't know. I don't know. God's just not, I guess God's just not answering. Maybe it's your sin. Maybe it's something you did. I don't know. You get around church people and you might get the wrong things, but you get around God's people. And here's the thing about getting around God's people that makes it so hard. It's usually just a few. It might just be just one for you, but you got to find that person. Like who are the people that you need to be around that are full of faith, that are full full of prayer, that are full of hope for you. So you're going to hold on to God's presence. You're going to hold on to God's people. And the third thing is, you're going to hold on to God's prophecy. Look at, verse, look at the next verse right here. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he said to him, this is God speaking, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Everybody say all. all. David said, I'm not moving until I hear from the Lord on this. I know what I want to do. I know what my troops want to do. But God, what do you want to do? I will wait until I hear from the Holy Spirit. I will put on an ephod, this, this garment that, that they would put on before they go to the Lord. This ephod thing. This, you, would, you would know it if you saw a picture of it. It has like these these colorful stones all over, 12 colorful stones He put the ephod on, even though he wasn't even a priest. He puts the ephod on. He goes into the presence of the Lord. And sometimes we need to put a spiritual ephod on. We're not going to be that church that wears real ones, okay? (laughs) Nothing against that church. We're not going to put a real ephod on, but we're going to put a spiritual ephod on. I'm going to put a garment of worship on. I'm going to put something on that says I'm going before the Lord. I'm going to seek him, and I'm not going to listen to anyone else but him and what he has to say because I need an answer from the Lord. Amen? I'm going to get a word from the Lord. What's interesting, too, is that the priest was technically the only one who should wear the ephod, but somehow David, he was like ahead of his time. And somehow David was able to put this ephod on and go into the holy of holies. And sometimes, sometimes you have to just take charge and just go before God. You can't let your pastor do it. You can't wait on your friend to do it. Sometimes you got to do it. I think there's two reasons that that David was able to, to put on this ephod, Austin, actually. One is that he was, he, was, he was telling the future of how we all will be priests unto our Lord. Two is most likely he had Goliath's sword upon his waist. And the high priest looked at David, looked at the ephod, looked at the sword, and said, okay, you can have that. Way too often we judge God's words based on our past, not based on his prophecy. We judge God's words that he wants to do in our future based on what he's already not done in our past. So we, we, we get to the village, we see it's burned down, we see all of our families gone, and we say, well, I guess that was God's plan. But oftentimes, we need to get before the Lord and realize our future is not our past. What, what the enemy has done in our past is, is not the perfect predictor of our future. Now, now, the past can be a great predictor of your future, but it is not the only predictor of our future, amen? Your past is not your prophecy. Your past is not your pit. Your past is not a prediction of where God is going next for you, amen? Uh, you you got to get that in you because if you don't, you'll constantly look at what happened in the past and assume that's where God's going to leave you in the future, I know your dad was an alcoholic. I know your dad's dad was an alcoholic, but that is not your prophecy, yeah? I know you grew up in a troubled and broken home, and I know your marriage is struggling right now, but that is not your prophecy, yeah? Like, I totally believe that God has something more for you in your life. I totally believe that God is restoring your family. I totally believe that God has a future for you. I totally believe that your best days are in front of you. I totally believe that you can be loved again. I totally believe that you can live without anxiety and fear. I totally believe that God is healing your body. I totally believe that you can be free from addiction. I totally believe that God is restoring you. I totally believe that you will recover all. Amen? I went through it, but it's not my prophecy. I'm not saying this is easy either. That's the tricky part. It's not easy. It's hard. It's very hard. I'm not saying it's easy because because I know a lot of you have already prayed and God hasn't answered. You've already sought the Lord and they still died. You've already gone into prayer and haven't seen a result yet. But I know that God is good. Come on. I know that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And sometimes you got to lean on what God said more than what you've already seen. And and I, I want you to pursue recovery and restoration. And I want you to believe that for others, too. I want you to believe that for your kids, that God is restoring them and God is recovering them. I want you to believe that for your friend who's just going through a hard time that God is restoring and God is recovering. I want want you to believe that for your life. I want you to pursue recovery because I know that that's the heart of God for you. But here's the thing. I don't want you to define it. Pursue recovery, but don't define it. Like, I don't know what, it looks like after that divorce for you i don't know what your future looks like exactly after that death i don't know what recover i don't know what it's going to look like in this new season that you're moving into but what i'm asking you to do today is believe pray and prophesy it and the reason i don't want you to define what God wants to do in your life is because I got a feeling you're thinking too small. You're probably thinking too small. You're probably dreaming too small. Let God define it. And whatever God dreams up, whatever he does, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. God has a future for you that is better than your future for you you got to believe that. I don't know what it looks like for you after that loss, but I do know that God's got something good for you. Let God define the recovery as he sees fit. Your job is not to define what God wants to do. Your job is to get in the presence and let God's prophecy come true in you. Amen. Here's how we're going to say it. We're, going to, we're all going to declare this together. This is our declaration today. God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. Let's say it again. God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. I just, I just know this is the heartbeat of our church. This is the heartbeat of God for us right now. He is restoring all things. He is restoring your life. He is restoring your family. He is restoring what was broken in your life. There's this beautiful verse. There's this amazing verse. It says this. David actually said this. He said, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. The reason sometimes things need to be restored is because they've been lost, they've been stolen. They've been broken because we live in a world full of sin. We live in a world that's constantly stealing our joy, constantly stealing our peace, constantly stealing what God is trying to put in front of us. But God is a God of restoration. God is a God of recovery, and God is a God who's prophesying your best days are in front of you. So today, if you don't know Jesus, maybe you're, maybe you, that, that recovery for you, you don't even know what it would look like, but you know that you need Jesus. You know that there's something broken in you. I want to just invite you into the family of God. I want to invite you in right now. The, the, God is wanting to restore your life right now. And it's so easy. This is what makes it, this is what makes the gospel so awesome. It's so simple that even a child can grasp it. All, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. So we're just gonna pray this prayer out loud. I would love for you to pray it with me. Everyone just repeat after me, say, Jesus, I give you my life. My whole heart, all of me, I am trading my sin by your life, your blood, Jesus. And your resurrection. In Jesus' name, I give it all to you. In your holy name. Amen? Amen. amen. Would you guys just give it up for what God's doing in this place?